0: All right, Welcome to the Nerd Crusade Podcast This is episode 10 or 11 I think it's probably going to be 10 um, We're going to be talking about A uh, most recent episode of Mandalorian And uh, we D&D just, dra- D&D uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves the Movie just came out yesterday uh, we saw that we're gonna talk about that. And then I'll we'll probably talk about uh a game or two. I think I uh, played played through all Sifu, at least on easy. So will talk about that a little bit as well. So let's jump into it. Uh Mandalorian uh yes. episode that came out. Uh, all about
1: pirates. Yep,
0: brought us back to the pirates. <laughs> uh and this is probably the biggest example of like when people say Disney's ruining Star Wars or Disney's having is changing things that people don't like about Star Wars. I think this has the biggest example. Yeah. Because the very first episode they had they introduced the Space Pirates, which kind of doesn't make any sense, right? the, the understand that the town in the very first season was like this unruly outlaw town that had a
1: it had stormtroopers. Stormtroopers,
0: a bunch of uh Moth the Gideon was running Empire,
1: uh was yeah, the main uh head honchos of the town. But, it
0: was obviously, it's some type of, like, underground, like, Outer Rim. Nobody was really dealing with it except for Moth Gideon. Because you had the Mandalorians living there in secret. You had the Bounty Hunter hub in the in the bar. Now, obviously, after they got rid of Moth Gideon and all that throughout the other seasons, as you said before, uh, Carl Weathers' characters now built this up to be a nice independent town. His space pirate buddies show up in that first episode. is kind of weird because... You can do space pirates, but you, without dumbing it down. That's being the thing. An
1: ar- and yeah, and that's being R. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that it's Disney? Weird.
0: Disney dumb's down stuff, and that's the thing that like they our- had
1: a Shmi character, and like Swamp <clears throat> Thing was Davy Jones. It was weird.
0: Yeah, and like what I'm getting at is that like what people don't, don't like, and I guess it's more with the older generation. Just like these are the people who mm-hmm. are bitching about how there's no Darth Vader in the Star Wars world, or there's no original characters. Which part of me is like get over that the the franchise has moved beyond that so you're not going to see those classic characters at Galaxy's Edge and whatnot which makes sense, but what they uh, what Disney has done and what our generation usually complains about is that they talk down to you, assuming that you're dumb that they have to spell everything out for you so oh it's the space part so the space part has is R of ours some shit like <laughs> that which like you don't need that no perfect example of that is like uh, or example where you don't where it's been done and they didn't do that is the anime outlaw star space pirates are one of the biggest uh antagonists in that whole storyline and they're just called the king Tao. they don't have peg legs they don't have hook for arms
1: no they just do what they do which is pirating yeah and that is their action (laughs) exactly and so
0: when they introduce these pirates it's kind of a cringy moment in the first episode it's also when i think about even dumber the fact that like they come they were in that town a long time ago and it was run by Moth Gideon, and it was kind of an underground, outlawish town. They come back. Okay, cool. The place has been cleaned up. It's under new management. And they demand to be served in the old pub, which is now a school. And it's like, all right, fine. The place has changed. You guys know that, right? And, like, why don't yeah. you... It's a big city. I'm sure there's a pub somewhere. Why are you yeah. demanding to be served drinks in the elementary school? That's fucking stupid. And they, they cause a big fight about it, and that's what causes all the... The problems that happen here.
1: Yeah, um, it causes this episode, <clears throat> essentially.
0: Basically, and like this, like we knew from the game, like, okay, they're going to come back to these pirate guys and, like, this da- this seaweed Davy Jones dude, or as our friend said, he looks like a halo brute with seaweed covered all <laughs> over him. Uh, we knew this was going to come back and they're going to, like, have to pay off, like, why are there pirates here, obviously. And that's what this episode did. Now, that doesn't mean that this episode was bad because the pirates were in it, it actually, you know finally brought, like, some good battle and, like, war, war to the Star Wars show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but basically, the pirates circle back, which can't have, could not have been as that long after Mando left because they're right outside the planet when Mando pissed them off the first time. Yeah. Um, and then all this other stuff's been going on, and I'll now we get back to this episode where, like, they show up, they threaten Carl uh, Reeves' uh, character, saying, yeah, I'm gonna fucking take the town, um, expect you to surrender. So basically... He's forced to ask for help from the New Republic, which this all ties into that one, like, Andor episode where it's all about the uh, em- people who work for the Empire who are now converted to working for, captured and converted to working for the Republic. Um, basically showing how incompetent the Republic is, and, wh- mm. and this I think that's going to lead to, like, them showing the beginning of the First Order. Yeah. Because the Republic has been kind of, like, they're just not running things as smoothly well. as you would think, or as well as, like, they like to draw it out, like, in the movies. Like, oh, the Republic's so, you know, nice, peaceful, of freedom, all this. Like, it's still a lot of bureaucracy. And, and A bullshit. lot of bullshit.
1: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> so
1: nothing gets done.
0: Pirates put the town under siege. They ask for help. And what I kind of feel weird is, like, it shows the bureaucracy of the entire system of, okay, the local, like, star, the local X-Wing...
1: Platoon. Or the nearby platoon, platoon of X-Wings.
0: Yeah, or platoon of our outposts. Like, oh, cool, we got a message. Uh, okay, let me fly to Coruscant and ask permission to go and save these well, people. He
1: does that because he knows that if he just sends a regular message, yeah, they, haven't been they would not answer him or ever get back to him in a timely manner. But it's also So like, that's why he goes to Coruscant and be like, hey, let's you know get a face-to-face interaction. Maybe I'll get something out of it.
0: But see, the one problem with Star Wars has not has never really uh, set in stone mm-hmm. is how long it takes to get to places. Like well, they like in Fatal Menace, they said it'd be like four hours. Well, like they said be like four or five hours to get to Tatooine from Naboo or something. Yeah, that's the only time we've gotten a time break of how long it takes to get somewhere. Where like Star Trek, like going to warp nine, you still can take. Forty-eight hours or two days to get somewhere. You're going yeah. at light speed, light speed, or beyond light speed, and you're still taking a while to get somewhere. Where in Star Wars they never established how long it takes to get from point A to point B. So it's like, is Coruscant like a five-minute flight <laughs> away from where this outpost or is? Or is
1: it two days? Like, yeah. Like, I wish there was a better establishment of time because it appears like the pirates just took over in the matter of a half a day or a day.
0: Yeah, or it could have been a half like. hours. Because, like, he, it was a giant Star Cruiser that basically shows up for their pirate ship and bra- bombards the town. There's no uh, defenses whatsoever, no big guns that they have set up to shoot Which down ships. I'm kind of
1: shocked by because you're trying to be independent from the New Republic, too, and you don't have any protection. And like, you know that pirates
0: the... frequent the area. Yeah. yeah so, they... so
1: why are you like, oh, I'm now going to try to rely on the new republic it doesn't make sense
0: yeah it's like so like there's no anti-aircraft weaponry or whatnot there's just one ship that's bombarding the town the town folk uh get out and are basically Escape
1: to the lava pits
0: lava pits yeah and they're basically uh watching what them taking over the town from where they're at but it's like it's not like they're they're there for days because they're still like ransacking shit
1: yeah, so and not so, trying to go after the townspeople either.
0: Yeah, so like the time, how much time passes is unknown because we don't know how long it takes to travel to Coruscant. He basically just walks into the requisition, a requisition officer's office, asks for help. They say no. Then he flies all the way back to Mando's planet, uh, where
1: Mando and the other the Conclave Mandalore,
0: is at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, explains how he finds it because he Red Five is there, which. If you're a Star Wars fan, you knew that Red Five was in was with the Re- with the rebellion and with the X wings and whatnot from the movies. Um, so he tracks him down by the droid that he that Mando had. asks for help. They have a big old vote about it. They, well,
1: he doesn't ask for help. He just tells him like, "Oh, by the way, your friend is in trouble. You should go help your friend." I'm not going to tell anyone where you are. And then he, the X wing pilot, pieces out.
0: Yeah, that's basically yeah, because because he kind of asks for it, but like understands that they don't want to help him and that they like, um he's an outsider and basically Mandalorians qu- could kill him on site just for showing up because now they have to pack up all their stuff and leave since they've been found. So yeah, you're right. He does. <coughs> he does basically just tell me, "Hey, he's your friend. Go help him if you want. I'm out.
1: I'm not going to tell anyone, but I understand that you're probably going to be leaving.
0: But it's also like. Well, you're obviously doing nothing. You were sitting in a bar when you got the message. Why don't you just grab some friends of yours at X-Wings and help out? Oh,
1: Well, that's because they don't want to get in trouble with the New Republic. Because if they did that, then they'll be like, oh, you did a no-no by going out to this rando planet and helping them out in the name of the Republic, but... Guess what? Now you're not going to fly X-wings anymore.
0: So the Republic it doesn't have a problem with piracy, apparently. I, well, <laughs> like, they and, do
1: if it's with a uh, planet that's under their protection. Remember, this planet is, is not. Yeah, is independent from them.
0: But it's still, it's like I not, agree. Yeah, like okay, I took out some pirates. Are you going to arrest me for taking out pirates? No, we won't. But hey, it was unauthorized. Like, well, I wasn't doing anything anyway. You didn't order me to go anywhere else. Yeah. Because they were just sitting in a bar chilling until they got this message, so it's kind of weird. Like <clears throat> that's how the Republic works, and like the Republic soldiers or pilots can't just kind of go on their own accord to you know do help. what, they, to do what <laughs> they were what they promised to do with the whole war to begin with was like we're here to help other worlds or whatnot or help mm-hmm. other, help these groups that have been enslaved by the Empire. Um, but basically, uh, the Mando Conclave they have their whole. Uh, Speech and, like, hey, here's a talking stick. You get to talk now. Because, basically, it was, like, <laughs> hold, the, hold the forge hammer. You get to talk to the conclave. And they basically passed it around. Had had some pretty good speeches or whatnot. Um, and they decide, hey. Uh, We're man-
1: going to go help.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go help. Um, based on the process, Amanda said, hey, Carl's Weather's character has offered me a parcel of land on this planet. That and so can- <clears throat> instead of hiding out, we can actually have a home and build our, our society again and actually have the ability to uh, to rebuild our society and to maybe possibly reclaim our place in the universe as having a home and...
1: A uh, home base. home base to, to establish
0: to. and then to go back to Mandalore eventually. Um, so this is the cool part of the episode. Is like we actually get to see the Mandalorians do all, what they all do. out fight. Go out to their fight uh. I can't I always forget her name. Uh, Bogoton. Yeah, Bogotan. <laughs> like, yeah. Bogaton basically being like uh being the military general she was because she was in rebels and whatnot, and she's the rightful ruler of Mandalore, kind of organizes the game plan, tells them what they're gonna do. She has the drop ship to drop them all in. Um so her and Mando attack the ship while she drops mm-hmm. off the uh Mandalorians, they attack the town, they run out the pirates. Um, they end up destroying the pirate ship completely and blowing him out of out of the sky, which was expected because you're like, this guy's not gonna survive this. Yeah. So, uh, they leave for the one like first mate. I think first mate, the guy who intact who started the whole shit with the bar. Yeah. Pieces out and leaves when realizes they're gonna lose the fight.
1: So he'll probably somehow show <clears throat> up again.
0: But as you said, like they had a toll Smee character who was wearing a striped shirt, a beanie. He was the captain's first yeah, mate.
1: he was pudgy. The shirt rolled up, so you saw a little bit of his tummy. So it was
0: really like, here's a seaweed Captain on. Hook, here's Smee. Well, it
1: wasn't Captain Hook. It was more of a Davy Jones-looking yeah. motherfucker.
0: So it's really weird that it's like, that's them disnifying the Star Wars universe. And it's very clear that that's there. It did serve its purpose to give us an action episode where we got to see the Mandalorians fight, yep. and they fought off pirates. And now this independent town is still claim to be independent. And now the Mandalorians have a home, and they can now be the protectors of this town, and be uh, given the respect uh, that, they're, that they that they kind of deserve, and be able to live their life. But um, the big the big point of this whole episode was not only just to show how useless the Republic was, but also. To start, Bocaton's storyline of her reuniting the Mandalorians. All
1: the Mandalorians <clears throat> scattered across the galaxy.
0: Yeah, so basically the
1: and to take back Mandalore.
0: The Forge like, Master grabs her and says, "Hey, you need to talk, talk to me." And she takes him takes her down to the sewers where the original Forge was and tells her, "Like, hey, you say you saw the Mythosaur. That's that's like something.
1: That's a sign.
0: That's a sign. Like she she." Let it, like, roll off her back when you first heard it. Like, it meant nothing. Like, hey, everybody sees shit every once in a while. Um, but
1: now that she's pondered it.
0: Yeah, she's, like, decides, okay, this is a sign. Tells Bo-Katan to take off her helmet.
1: Which she's had to, to do. Yeah, because... Which was Because she's like, well, I'm part of you guys now, and I don't want <clears throat> to fuck that up.
0: Yeah, so she, she ends up taking off her helmet as she's commanded to, and the Forge Master basically explains to her, like, hey, you walk both worlds. Our clan and the rest of the Mandalores, Mandalorians, who are scattered across the universe, you need to unite us and bring us all together,
1: so we could take back Mandalore.
0: Yeah. So it's basically her mission now is to go out and basically find all the Mandalorians who ditched her when she didn't come back with the dark saber, and bring them back to the fold if she can. Because the one thing we do find at the end is that while those X-wing uh, fighter was on patrol, the guy from Kim's convenience. Yeah. Uh, they find, he finds the transport ship that Darth, Darth, uh, Gideon was on.
1: You are about to say mall.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I not you think Gideon's right now. <laughs> oh,
1: we'll call him Gideon Gideon.
0: But basically he find that because there's been rumors that he didn't make it to trial. And when he finds it, he sees that, yep, this is the transport ship that he was supposed to be on. It's nothing but Republic people dead on there.
1: No oh, s- signs of him.
0: But hey, look, there's Beskar, um, best car.
1: Yeah, best car ar- metal. Metal
0: embedded in some of the uh, of the wreckage, which means Mandalorians were there. Which that can only point to what Bo Katan said when her people ditched her that they went off to become mercenaries. And they were probably hired to jailbreak him. And we'll see him come back to do whatever the hell it was he's doing. Because you never really got to know what his goal was. I mean, they're working with cloning.
1: And they want to go. They-
0: uh, Grogu Gro,
1: Grogu I was about to say Goku I don't yeah. know why I'm like Oh boy they, And
0: they wanted Grogu
1: Grogu. <laughs> Grogu Grogu Baby Yoda
0: Yeah they wanted Grogu um, For claiming We think the whole thing With the Doctor and the cloning In that one episode Was A uh, lot of people hint were, or you
1: know, a nod To the, uh, sh- uh, the, uh, the, the, the um, Not Emperor But
0: <clears throat> The head of the First Order yeah. In the first movie
1: Whatever his name is, it starts with an S. It's
0: Smog, Snoke,
1: Snoke, Smog, yeah.
0: (laughs) Because he's not even Emperor Snoke; he's just Snoke. Yeah. And because, like, at the end of uh, in the Star in the Skywalker Saga, uh, last movie, they show like a vat full of Snokes. Like, so basically, Snoke Mm -hmm. was a clone. They don't I don't think they were trying to clone Palpatine, because obviously Snoke looks nothing like him, but they're trying to make a force strong clone, and that's probably where it ties back to them wanting Groku to try and get the Benaclorions out of him to clone some type of being that they can control or whatnot. Um that's what that's all speculation that like fans based have and whatnot, but basically mm-hmm. we see that what's gonna be coming here, since I think this was like the halfway point of the Mandalorian season, yeah. is that there's either gonna be a showdown with um, Moth Gideon, and then the, and the Mandalorians, and it's gonna be are they gonna be able to bring the Mandalorians back into the fold, or are they like gonna to be too far gone, and it's gonna be Mandalorians versus Mandalorians,
1: and it just wipes them all out. <clears throat> well,
0: have to see, and it's also interesting. Like, there's rumors I've been seeing articles headlines that saying like is gonna be recast, um, pa- hmm. uh, Pascal's gonna be uh, recast as well. Or he won't be uh, playing Din Djarin anymore.
1: That would be weird because all he does is just go into the sound booth unless they need his face for a day.
0: But that's the thing is that he might have other projects that are taking up time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Because he's a hot commodity. So it's like it makes sense that, oh, I got to do these other projects. I can't just be doing Star Wars. Fair. I don't have time for this or that. He's so got that just... HBO money now. So they'll just recast him completely yeah. and maybe make the voice sound a little bit the same through. I don't know who knows autotune or whatnot. Well, again, that's but, all
1: speculation and rumors. But if
0: they're going to recast Bo-Katana, it's a big thing because she sold on her, her face. Yeah. And she, she's a well-known actress. I mean, she played Starbuck in uh, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. So recasting her would be a big deal. Um, so if they do that, I mean, they do it. And, and the show goes on. It's the storyline that people care, care about more so than the actress faces in this particular series. Uh, so we'll have to see where it goes from there, uh, but I mean overall, as much as we had like the cheesy, cringy Disney pirates there, they're taken out. It gave us some good action sequences. Got to sets
1: that see... up for the rest of the season. Yeah, and you got to well. finally
0: see like the Mandalorians being badasses. We had, last time we saw that wasn't since like season so, one, where like they all helped Dinjaran escape from that town. Yeah, and then they all just basically disappeared. So, it's cool to see them all come together and cool to know that, okay, they're going to be a constant president, presence in this town. They'll be kind of like the, the new sheriff in town protecting it. And, hey, maybe they'll be smart to set up some anti-aircraft weaponry to, you know.
1: Well, you're giving people too much credit
0: here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's an independent town that's a, that's becoming a huge industrial port. Yeah. You need to put up some some type of defenses control oh, air traffic. Oh, I
1: agree. When it's
0: coming. Like, Tatooine has air traffic controllers or well, whatnot where people yeah. can land so and, know
1: and, and uh, what. uh and or the place where
0: Farex, i think
1: Farex, thank you
0: like they, yeah, they, they have, have a port big port and they yeah. have like controls over who's coming and going what's going on even though that's empire air but that's still like hey
1: you, you gotta have these things you gotta intact.
0: have <laughs> you have to have the airport intact and know who's coming and going what whatnot, especially yeah. if you're even if a tsa town.
1: you know is the big you know Show pony, see, okay, just you just cater. gotta, yeah,
0: so well, we'll see that how that evolves. It's still a good episode, it's just it pays off the pirate stuff from the beginning. Um, it's just silly how Disney had to do pirates to show <laughs> yeah. that they're pirates, they had to sound like pirates of the Caribbean, which is like that's not how pirates work. But pirates are just it, people who steal shit all the time,
1: yeah.
0: That, that's you can make space pirates without them having to be reminiscent of. Like pirates of the Caribbean from
1: the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, it's, yeah. Because guess what? Pirates nowadays don't sound anything like that.
0: Yeah, and space pirates. Why would they use that type of type of vocabulary? It makes no sense.
1: Yeah, but anyways. <coughs> but
0: um, good episode. We'll see where that goes. Like I said, I think it's the halfway point of the season, so mm-hmm. the show is is still being well, still well, well received. As being one of the best Disney shows. Um, a little side note on this from an arc from something I just saw online though dealing with disney and star wars is that their star cruiser thing they're now offering 30 <laughs> percent off from like april oh my God. to like june something <laughs> but it's only for like yearly pass holders or something
1: oh <clears throat> and
0: it's probably because they can't get that thing uh fully well, booked
1: well no shit it's for the just the basic room like four grand for two people it's four grand for <clears throat> basically two days they say three but bullshit it's Two days
0: and thirty percent off isn't a big discount. It's still a a shitload of money. That's way more than what it would cost to go on a Disney cruise, or a regular or cruise or regular cruise, Caribbean, Alaskan, like Uh, European, European. Like watching all these people who like do cruise reviews. Like some of them cruise on the cheap. Some of them cruise like in the medium level, and they're not spending four or five grand to go on a cruise. No,
1: they're it's. You know, maybe two grand upper.
0: And if they are spending a lot of money, they're getting more, they're getting like five, six days out of it, not two days.
1: Exactly. It's not like when they go on a two day or three day cruise, it is so much cheaper. You're paying well under a thousand, even under 500 bucks.
0: And Grant, I think that the, cru- the Galactic Cruise thing is an interesting idea, which will mm. eventually just be turned into like what a lot of people are expecting it'd be just turned into a dinner theater show.
1: Which is what it probably it's, should be. Because it's,
0: it's basically a giant, like, two-day LARP. But they're not advertising in that way to where... So there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who might go on that thing and, like, not understand you're supposed to role-play throughout the whole storyline. So, like, you're going to have the guy wearing the Star Wars T-shirt and the hockey jerseys. While With the people,
1: Mickey ears.
0: And there are going to be people there in full costume who understand what it is. So it's like... However, he said the Star Wars fans are going to ruin the Star Wars immersive experience of Galaxy's Edge and of the Star Cruiser because you're going to have people there wearing Disney sh- uh, stuff thinking, oh, this is just another ride, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's not
0: that. And that's the thing is that it was a cool experiment, but it's way overpriced. I can see why mm-hmm. it's priced that way because you're actually having actors play roles for days on end, or yeah. a couple days on end. Um, and
1: full makeup and yeah, full, full makeup and suit, running this, suit.
0: Running this script over and over again. Um, so, I can see why a, it could cost so much, but it's not actually attainable for the everyday goer to go. I mean, going to Disneyland no. or Disney World is already a huge expense to begin with. Throwing another four or $5,000 on top of that with a family, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and
1: also, it's really not little kid-friendly at all.
0: Yeah. And, like, the ultra-rich who can afford this are not hardcore Star Wars fans to, like... Yeah. Like all the people that we saw that went to this and enjoyed it, uh, either got it because they're content creators and they got money through their Patreon of fans, uh, fans of their content. Or they were invited it, by or Disney. Invited by Disney for a pre- for the press mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. and the, uh, those are people who were telling, like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is great!" And that this and, that. and then the people who like got paid through Patreon or whatnot to go have a little bit more honest review, but they're super super Star Wars fans, so they enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So th- and of course and they they're going to un- love it, and they, they
0: understood mean. what it was. Yeah. Whereas, like, the typical, oh, I'm a cosplayer, I go to cons, I went to the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser, yeah, it was weird and it sucked. Because, like, well, you're a cosplayer, that does not mean you're a LARPer, it does not mean that you're into role-playing. yes You may thought you were going on a Disney vacation and it turned out to be this entire dinner theater show that was non-stop. Yeah. Which I can see how, like, hey, you want to relax, or, hey, you just want to, like, hang out somewhere. You can't really do that because...
1: Has it's no constantly pool. on
0: yeah there's no pool there's no like tea, there's no show there's
1: shows. no real place to go relax other than your room and this tiny area the outdoor that, area their outdoor simulator which is just a exposed uh rock ceiling garden. rock garden yeah. yeah
0: so i mean i would suggest <sighs> watch videos of that if you aren't interested in the galactic cruiser we watched a lot of them they're very interesting but it told us exactly what it was. It's a LARP thing. We're not LARPers. So it's definitely not something we would we'd ever do. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting to hear that they're in the news again because they're offering discounts, which means they're not filling rooms. And the thing's only 100 rooms.
1: And it's only been out open a year now.
0: Yeah, it's just about uh, a little, uh, about a year, a little over a year. So um it'll be interesting to see. I'll be w-
1: interested when they start offering that to everyone, not just the... Season, the ca- pass season pass holders the vacation club members yeah
0: because according to the people who are reading the, who were reporting on the news they said originally they offered discounts to the d23 people who are like oh. the who are like the ultra fans who are in part of like the higher pay club and then there's the season pass holders who now get the 30 percent off eventually they'll probably start offering that to everyday guests to see what they can do because i mean they spent a lot of money on it they probably gotta do something with that property Uh, for a little while before they can tear it down or repurpose it.
1: Again, they should have just made it a themed hotel Star Wars and just had like a dinner dinner theater, which it would be hard to convert that now.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of like how we watched that video today of the Alchemist restaurant. It's a seven hour. That looks
1: so cool. Let's talk about Alchemist because I want to go there.
0: (laughs) It's a restaurant in Copenhagen. uh, Denmark. Denmark. Uh, that is like a seven hour dining experience. Like basically if you've seen the menu, it looks like you're dining at the, at their restaurant.
1: And it's a 50 course meal. And most of the courses are just going to be a single bite of whatever.
0: But it's like gastronomy food. So there's things that like look like other things. There was like a dump, a dumpling that would look like it was made out of cotton candy or something. Yeah. Um, definitely look it up. It's very interesting. Um, but it's like a thousand dollars, but like. That was for a seven-hour, one-evening event.
1: It's an experience. So, so you're paying seven hours for an experience with, for food, drink, and whatever the fuck's going remember, on around yeah. you. Whatever
0: else they I mean, it's a huge, interesting experience. I definitely suggest you look it up. Uh, there's YouTube videos of people who've gone there. But you take the Galactic Cruiser and you turn it into that... Like, even if it's just a, th- even if it was a thousand dollars, I mean, Disney has that, like, what, $15,000 dinner that you can have at, like, yes, the, at
1: Disneyland. The, the, uh, it's where Walt Disney was supposed to stay. Yeah,
0: like his apart his, like, private his apartment, ap- his private apartment, night like, You can have, like, a $15,000 yeah, cool. dinner with, like, 10 people there. Mm-hmm. And Disney already charges, like, what, it was $8,000 for, like, the private VIP tour.
1: Yeah, that's re-
0: in Disneyland, which that's which, crazy too. Well,
1: all that does is get you to the front of the line for rides <coughs> and maybe a meal in the park, but not a fancy meal. It's one of those quick service meals. Yeah, because uh, you're like, go, go, go! We're going to, on every ride and then for like, eight thousand bucks. To, it's like I better go on every damn ride.
0: And to explain to you, like, how that's really ridiculous, and that that's like eight to ten thousand uh, dollars to do.
1: I agree, it's ridiculous.
0: Universal Studios, like, just around the street from Disney. Or I guess on the north side of LA from Disney basically. Yeah. Uh it does the same thing. It's, it's not not Disney. Like, like three hundred dollars per yeah. person.
1: And That's, you get the back lot tour, you get off the tram, you get a walk around. Yeah, like you get a full like private meal.
0: Yeah, their stuff like the, the food they say is kinda of, like can be okay depending on depending, on, what it is. depending on the But day. the fact that like you go on the tram ride and they take you where like um World War Z set is that where the plane crash set is?
1: And you can walk all in there. Yeah, they let
0: you get out of the tram and you walk around like you do like
1: on horror nights. Yeah. Or the town where they usually flood, uh you could walk around there. Um, yeah. Uh the Jaws area or when they had the Jaws area, you could walk all around there too. Yeah, the fact
0: that you can get off the tram and walk around and then Warner Brothers also has like a prop studio yes! tour there as well, which is Still, a little
1: bit more expensive, but, but not
0: but as expensive as the Disney, the Disney near. dinner or the Disney VIP Fast Pass to all the rides with the uh, tour guide, like eight thousand dollars for something of as that's just really ride all the rides in one day, versus four to five hundred dollars per person to actually get to go through a prop studio.
1: The, uh, to walk town the USA, sets. which is where uh Back to the Future was filmed. Yeah, walk through the so whole set. So many other places filmed there. Yeah, all like, the different uh backlots that yeah, they film at.
0: Really shows that Disney has an overinflated ego about the oh. about what prices they should charge. And the thing is that there are people who are paying it. That's why they can charge that. But when you think when, when you go to this Universal, who's this? Des- basically. All right, Disney is Disney for Disney property, Universal's for their properties, but, like, they don't charge nearly as much, and they're still making profits. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, guys, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's enough about the Star Wars stuff. That's just all just <laughs> there. Let's get so- back
1: on track, I guess. <laughs>
0: Uh, another thing we're going to talk about was uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Honor Amongst Thieves. Yes. This was one of many Dungeons & Dragons movies, I guess. But the last one everybody really remembers that was big. Maybe you can have it had a theatrical release. It
1: did have a theatrical The one from 2000? Yeah. Because I yes.
0: so bought it on DVD at like, Best Buy to watch. It was
1: in theaters. I can happily say I did not go see it in 2000 I at the theaters. I didn't see it in
0: the theater either. Um, but I bought the DVD <laughs> to watch it. And I
1: rented it at Blockbuster. It <laughs> was...
0: It's not... I would say it wasn't terrible. It was just really bad CG. When you look at it now, the CG does not age well, and oh. and it, and it and the really makeup.
1: is. Oh my god!
0: Yeah, it really is like made by people who barely understood what Dungeons and Dragons was because yeah, it's like, like
1: who's this main the main character of the original or not original uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but the two thousands Dungeons and Dragons. It's like what? is he supposed to be he's not a, he's a paladin he's a thief but then he suddenly has like paladin powers and yeah it's like he's a barbarian he's like, he's like oh it's he like, was like what? awakened
0: or something in that movie and then like the queen or the princess was obviously a ripoff of like the never ending child, story uh princess uh our person never ending story only person like trying not really trying real hard but hamming it up as much as possible as jeremy irons oh my god (laughs)
1: like
0: to the point where it's like almost almost (laughs) william dafoe levels of acting
1: oh it was william dafoe levels yeah (laughs) it wasn't almost it was and then beyond it was so
0: and like, oh, so that's bad. the two thousand movie. That's really old, not very good. Do not the CG watch. is not.
1: It had a sequel that had nothing not, to do. with not the First movie.
0: Um, that's why I say like the this new one is one of, of a number of different D and D movies. I mean, they may have some back in the eighties. I think Tom Hanks was in one. That's more about how D and D is making your kids worship the devil well, and kill each other type of shit.
1: I don't think that was really approved by. The creators of Dungeons and Dragons. But
0: there are there are tons of other D and D movies out there, whether yeah. they're made for TV or v- DVD. This is another like major theatrical release starring Chris Pine, um, the gal who played Beverly Marsh in uh, the movie It is in it who played the child Beverly Marsh. Um, it has uh, Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez yes. from the Fast and Furious franchise. And I say they did a very good a good job with this. Um, I can say it's like the best fantasy movie out there. Um, no. I think they did a good job with kind of explaining things a little bit more, so in uh, a way that huge fans of the D and D series get a lot more out of this than just the casual fan or just even even people like me and Corney. We, because I don't know a whole lot about the D and D universe, I recognize things like Neverwinter, uh, Boulder's Gate. Like, okay, cool. They're naming these things as these are locations. I know these as game titles, and like these are areas
1: that uh, take place in D and D. And in the older D&D uh, campaigns.
0: Yeah, apparently, like, the old book um, franchise for Bidden Realms is a D&D thing. I never knew that. I just thought they were just fantasy novels when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but that's what this all ties into. And the thing is that it's nice that they don't just name drop these things as, oh, hey, wink, wink, Neverwinter. Like, it's an actual place. You see Neverwinter. Okay, they talk about how Boulder Gates is the actual place, not just...
1: It's not just name-dropped. There's a purpose for it in the script.
0: Because I never realized Boulder Gate was an actual place. I just knew Mm -hmm. it was a game title. I didn't know exactly what it was. They mentioned it as it's like a town or city somewhere. Yeah. They mentioned Neverwinter, not as if it's a mythical land like I thought it was. It's like, oh, this is this giant city, Neverwinter. Um, And they kind of do a nice job of like all right, these guys go on this adventure to kind of, you know, go do what you do in a D&D campaign where you go get one MacGuffin to solve another problem, to solve another problem, to
1: solve another MacGuffin. And
0: yeah, so like they do a good job traveling around and seeing different things and that gives them a chance to introduce stuff.
1: Yep. And you see where they do their missed uh, dice rolls, too. Yeah, which is kind of funny. <laughs>
0: Definitely interesting when that when that happens, like when they're questioning the corpses, they have five questions and they keep fucking it yes. up because the corpse keeps answering all the, like the side questions that aren't directed to them. So like after five questions, the corpse just dies again. So you have to yeah. go dig up another body and uh, and get more information. Or when
1: the uh, sorcerer has to do a uh, performance check, yes, yep. doing well, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now you're getting the bad dice rolls on your performance check.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, things that like. People who are big fans will, will notice it and get it and get those references, and people who aren't will still just enjoy a very fun action adventure, fun uh, fantasy fantasy film. film. Um, my one criticism is Chris Pine like is he a bard? He's, is he, he a, rogue? Is a bard? Because he definitely has the guitar for a bard, and like he had it hidden in a in a cubby hole in his house or whatnot. But you don't really see him do a lot of bard things other than have charisma.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very high charisma, and I, and he does sing a couple times, which does give a little bit of appearance as like a morale booster when he does it. Yeah, he's always but, ha- he's always
0: boosting everybody's morale around him, but yeah. he's doing it just through conversation and charisma.
1: Well, he does sing like maybe three or four times in this. Yeah, but like I said, <laughs> like
0: it. when I think bard in D and D, I think like Vox Machina, where here's a bard oh who, who plays music and they cast spells with their music, right? He doesn't do anything like that. He's basically... Right. He's a, a mixture of a bard and a rogue, but he doesn't, you know, use knives or anything like that or subterfuge, but he's a planner and he's uh, he's roguelike with, like, his main class maybe being bard, but we don't get to see him use bard as much.
1: Well, when we see him, like, actually fight and attack, it is with his uh, loot. <laughs> yeah,
0: which I thought was, like, cool. Which,
1: which I he laughed loot my he... butt off when... I saw him like, all right, here they are. They're taking hits. They're fighting. And here he comes with his loot. him, And
0: then he them just
1: them. kind of runs away. And then he comes back and like, oh, whack again. Which
0: you really <laughs> think. Like, yeah, what a bar would do is have like this <laughs> have ridiculous like, inv- uh, uh instrument that would probably get smashed. But probably went somewhere and got like an indestructible charm <laughs> put on it so he can beat the shit out of people with it. Yeah.
1: And it's like, okay, while the barbarian is <laughs> like taking the hits and like punching, it's like, all right, here's my chance to pop it. Hit. Run away. Yeah. like I love that.
0: And that's the thing with D&D movies why they're so difficult is cuz the charm of D&D is the wacky craziness that happens when you're playing it and what how your DM reacts cuz like honestly the few times I've played D&D the majority of them have been poor because the the DMs have been really shitty. Like But
1: when you get that one get, good DM you're like, "Whoa." Yeah, when you get it's a, good, a, drug. a
0: good DM DM who like no, understands like, "Okay, you're either really familiar with it or you're not familiar with it." And then know how to play off your decisions versus telling you, like, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do that? It's like, yes, I want to do it. Let me do what the fuck I'm going to do, man. This is what I'm supposed to be able to do. Don't sit there and question how I'm doing it to suggest I do something else. You need to roll with what I do, not try and force me to do what you want me to do. Exactly. Um, So, like, I honestly only know, like, one really good DM uh, in our friends group that can, like, actually do a good game and get people who've never played D&D to really have an enjoyable time um but like what this movie does it makes it so if you play dnd you'll get like a lot of the little jokes like the, the fact that fucking they're fucking
1: fat ass dragon the fat dragon was definitely oh a huge reference
0: God. to something that goes all the way back to like the uh 70s oh. and 80s of oh, he uh, a so specific cute. Pre- he feature
1: trolled. and he was a true dragon he had <clears throat> all four legs not a fucking werevan like all the like hbo does now
0: yeah, a lot of people, a lot of shows when they can pick a dragon, they just pick a war and where it has like ar- the- wings for arms and two hind legs. And it's like that a dragon has four legs and wings. So yeah. that's how they're supposed to be. Um, but what, what I like about this is that like the name drops, the references, either you'll, if you miss them, you're not going to feel like I'm missing an inside joke. It's still, uh, it's you still get the premise of like the biggest one would be the fact that they're going to do a prison break. And the prison break is all revolving around this one character, which you don't know why it's revolving around this one character. All we think is that this character is going to have sympathy for their story or something. But it turns out, oh, no, this character is a giant bird person. They're going to grab the bird person, jump out the window. The guy is going to have to fly to save his own life. So he's going to fly away with them. And that's how they're going to break out of prison. That's the stupidity that a group of people come up with. Yes. On a D&D table. Like, how are you going to get out of this and plea your case to get out of this this <laughs> dungeon or this prison? I'm going to grab the bird guy, and we're going to jump out the window with him. And it's like, what? all right, okay. roll for
1: uh dexterity.
0: See, see if you survive this.
1: <laughs> Let's um, see if you live. Let's go.
0: Yeah, and so, like, you get people who play D.D. get the ridiculousness of it, but even watching it outplay out, play, I was like, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's funny that that worked.
1: Yes. Um.
0: So those, those are the cool things about it. I think my one criticism is, like, it took me a while to get into Chris Pine's character because he honestly sounded like Captain Kirk monologuing. And
1: I think that's just because of you. Well, I didn't find him Captain Kirky monologuing. I thought at
0: the beginning it was because he was monologuing, but well, because like, he
1: had to, because he had to tell his story of how he got there in the prison.
0: True, Well, I just feel like it. Sound, it felt like almost the cadence of how a parody of Captain Kirk would do it, even though he was he's yeah he's played Captain Kirk, but his Captain Kirk didn't monologue. This felt, felt like him parodying almost William Shatner a little bit. so I got used to like now, that's the cadence of how he always talks to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. So it does work very well. Will they get a sequel out of it? Possibly. Um, it depends how well this does in the box office. Mm-hmm. I think it was entertaining. Um, I think it definitely, it's definitely skips over a lot of a lot of stuff that maybe some DD people probably get more out. But you get the gist of it. That red wizards are bad, um, and that like okay, they, these guys are the heroes, and they're gonna turn around and be the heroes. They had great cameos for old old school fans like the. Big uh, maze sequence where you notice that oh the yes. other groups running through this maze they're dressed like the characters from the animated cartoon from the eighties
1: yes exactly dressed yeah like they the had the colors they were bright and they stood the, the out like the wizard kid a had
0: like the pointed hats like that nobody yeah. wears <laughs> it was really it was really interesting it's like oh yeah cool they put that in there um,
1: they were just their little unicorn friends. the
0: funny thing was like everybody recognizes the the panthers with like the oh projection yeah things. Well, first thing I thought when I saw it was like, "Oh, those look like the cats of Final Fantasy seven Because <gasps> well, like there's, cause, ca- there's... Gee,
1: where did the Final Fantasy guys get it from? Probably D and D. Yeah, D&D. so it's interesting like a lot to of see stuff.
0: Yeah, see how everyone pulls in D and D elements into like their own universes, their own stuff. Yeah. Um, because like literally, their design is almost exactly like these little cat designs are in like the very first level of Final Fantasy Seven, um, except like they have different powers. Obviously, like in the d thing, they could project themselves with like their little tentacle things.
1: Yep. To give an appearance and distract so they yeah. could attack from behind.
0: Um But yeah, I thought it was done very well. Um They, when the plans do come together, they come, they have really cool plans that come together, which is like, cool. I could see a group of people thinking of that. Hey.
1: Yeah. It's like, all right, here's our plan B. All right. Plan B didn't work. Let's go back to plan A, but we'll call it plan C. Point five. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the fact that it was, like, they kept bugging the sorcerer, like, just magic us out of this. And the concept was, like, magic doesn't work, though. I can't just fix everything with magic.
1: It's, like, someone <laughs> that is playing a sorcerer looking through their list of spells that they can use, and they're, like, I can't do that shit, guys. How many times do I have to tell you? But
0: they're always given the tools, and uh, tools with some type of limitation that people were able to figure out ways to get out. So, like, I thought it was real clever the plan wasn't... The plan changed from instead of breaking into the vault... They were going to uh, use this portal device to put something in the vault so they could portal into it. Yeah. Uh, and then they ended up going back to planet where they're breaking the vault anyway. Um, but it's it's cool to see how those concepts and those ideas that people can co- have come up with, obviously, in their own games have made it into uh, this movie, like how to use the jaw and giant- this cube to your advantage and, the, and a few other things. So. Yeah definitely fun it doesn't matter you don't have to be a D guru or have experience with DD to enjoy this um but it doesn't come off as cheesy or pr- pretty lame i mean like the original 2000 movie literally went through like the, tr- the common tropes of fantasy stuff like okay here's a maze with a treasure at the end that you need to get for this for uh for your mission which yes there's macguffins they have to go find but it's not like Things that don't make sense, like, the thing in 2000 didn't make sense was, like, here's this master thief guy who has this a treasure that's in, that he can't get to, that he d- designs a grand game for people to get through the maze to get the treasure, then he's going to steal it from them. It's like, why don't you just hire people to get it for you in the, to begin with? Why are you tricking people into doing it? Yeah. It was just, like, this is a common trope. There's Here's a dungeon. Go through a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Actual meaning of reasons for it, why everything's where it is, uh, in this movie that makes that makes sense to flow with it, it doesn't didn't feel yes. forced. Where <clears throat> most made for TV movies for D D things feel forced because it's like somebody just made a campaign like in ten minutes and this and they have to flush it out to be an hour and a half movie. Yeah, it's um, so where the main focus on this is more so on the characters and and their interactions with each other, not necessarily the major plot of stopping this bad guy or this. That, Cause that's not even the characters main motivation is not revenge. is not trying to get back at whoever betrayed them. It's I need to get my kid back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just want my daughter back and I want this tablet that was promised. Yeah. And that's it.
0: And it's kind of like at the end, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess we have to be the heroes. Let's turn around and save the day. Now
1: it's like, Oh, we can't be total dicks. Let's go. And
0: it's more so like, all right, my kids look at me. I got to set a good example. Do I, <laughs> yeah. do I run away with the treasure or do I like, turn around and save the fucking day okay we're gonna go and save the day because my kids watching me <laughs> um so
1: which is it, a total parent move yeah
0: so it's a very fun fun movie um yeah. the jokes landed uh for you you don't have to be a D;D fan to understand it i say definitely go watch if you yeah. are into DD if you want to wait till or it comes if you're to...
1: a fantasy lover it's a it's a good fun time it's a good like popcorn flick
0: yeah it's a good family film uh family yeah, adults was, and kids will enjoy it all the same
1: yeah
0: oh uh, if you're it not is a, hu- a little
1: bloody but you know that's to be expected
0: if you're not a huge fan that's okay you can wait till it comes to the video that's fine too um it's definitely better than any of the other renditions of movie, movies that have come out in the past mm-hmm. so i don't think it's the star power necessarily that brings that i think it's uh the good writing and people understanding film and movies and also having a good understanding of D D. usually you ha- either have people only understand movie formula and don't understand D&D so they get the material wrong or they only understand D&D and they don't understand storytelling in movies and films so like things get lost in translation and don't work so yeah. um, this one does it's pretty fun i would love to see another adventure with these same characters yes. if they did it again cuz um, it's set
1: up to that you can easily just have this be a one time movie <clears throat> or you can have a series of films if you wanted.
0: Yeah, and they could easily lead up to stuff. Because, I mean, there's stuff that, if they want to make bigger, more grander gestures, they've made enough references to things where they could. Mm-hmm. They just need to explain them in more depth in, uh, if they're going to go for a plot line like that. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a good way we to do it. Which they can
1: do. I feel like they can do that.
0: Whenever you're making long-form media, or you're going to make uh, make someone like, hey, we want to make multiple stories, we want to tell this epic story, you have to make your first... Entry to that encapsulated to where it can just stand alone by itself, or it can expand. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, don't leave stuff on a cliffhanger, expecting that oh we're gonna get a second and third movie or or video game or something out of no. this because very much could be hey this bomb nobody's gonna give you money to make the rest of it exactly so make a really good standalone story that you can continue later on um, or even,
1: easily tap on
0: or it could be hey then because like when you look at Halo One that game ends. You ends. It could have just ended there, and
1: you're like, cool. This story's is fine. done.
0: We stopped the flood, blew up the halo ring, the universe is saved. Oh no, this is really popular. Okay, let's expand that universe. Yeah. Mass Effect One, even though it was planned out to be a, a three game story, that first game ends with, cool. We stopped the reapers. They're stuck in in dark space. I saved the universe. Game story's done. My my tale is done. I will not have to do anything else more with it. Or we could expand it. So I think they did a good job with this. Flushing it out made a really good standalone movie they could expand it i would like to see more of those characters i think michelle rodriguez nailed the barbarian role oh. of being like witty get um somewhat so gruff and somewhat like not smart but more muscle more brawn than brain but also being like
1: we'll have great one-liners yeah she'll
0: have great one-liners and like she'll prove herself right with those like uh, oh, yeah, she became a deer, huh? So, yeah, we needed a deer. Who was like, no, we don't need to <laughs> need a deer. Uh, you'll get that joke once you watch it, but, like, <laughs> those lines, like, were delivered perfectly. And she did a great job versus being the mediocre actor that she was, like, in the first uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Like, her acting career, she was kind of just meh and I'll just She there. also got
1: pigeonholed into a certain type
0: yeah and also going to prison for a while kind well, of fucks I that mean up that too. Yeah. She, she's really improved her craft over the years where she's not just that fast and furious chick mm-hmm. I could like to see her in more stuff uh give her more roles <clears throat> yeah she can be the butch chick or, or I'd love to see what she could do when she's not having to play the butch strong chick either um but
1: it kind of flashed a little bit of this of that with in her relationship the ship yeah. with the kid <clears throat> yeah as being kind of the motherly aunt type figure
0: yeah and even her relationship with her ex-husband and all that like she has that that
1: was so funny i love that scene
0: yeah she has that soft side to her so it'd be nice to see them expand on that or see Mm -hmm. her do that in different roles elsewhere um so it would be would be surprised if we see michelle rodriguez doing stuff that's outside of being the butch macho uh chick or whatnot um but like i said definitely recommend it go check it out yes um it was a fun movie to see take the whole family to if you want to um, everybody will, everybody should have a good time with it. Um, that, and I guess that's if, well, uh, we did re-
1: you want to talk about Creed at all?
0: Um, yeah, <laughs> Creed was, was man, my opinion. <laughs> um, like the big thing with Creed is like they talked about the, the fights taking place, taking inspiration from anime, which they definitely do. If you watched enough Dragon Ball Z, you'll see where he got some, some ideas for shots, but it's very minimal in that movie. But the other thing we we're going to talk I was going to mention was Sifu that came oh, out yes, on, yes. uh, PlayStation a little over a year ago.
1: And it It just came out. Just
0: released for Xbox um, with uh, new content called Arenas. Uh, That's an interesting game. Um, It's an interesting roguelike game where it's not a roguelike game where I usually get bored with rogues because you play the same stuff over and over or it's procedurally Mm -hmm. generated to where you're wandering through the same mazes over and over again or a different variation of the same maze over and over again. Um, This doesn't have procedural generated uh, areas. Um, you do run through the same area over again, but it's interesting that, um, it's basically a basic revenge story. It's a Kung Fu fighting game, uh, kind of action game where you can easily kind of button mash your way through with just light and heavy attacks. But as you go through, you can unlock, uh, better attacks that take a little bit more, uh, finesse and, uh, take you through a journey of revenge going after four, uh, Heads of of people who killed your basically killed your father, and then killed you, and you're going after the student that that betrayed everybody, and that uh, started this whole thing off. There's a whole like deep story kind of involved in it, but you have to like actually read between the lines to get to it
1: and find all the evidence.
0: Yeah, find all the evidence for it and read all the stuff uh, to get the background behind all the different mm-hmm. characters. The fights are definitely interesting, and good. The one thing I would say that I did not like about it is there's multiple endings. So like obviously there's an ending where you just kill everybody. And boom, you have an ending there. The, the good ending, though, is you have to spare everybody's life at the end of the fights, which you can easily do, except for the last fight against the main antagonist, Yang. Uh, once you spare him, you get into another fight sequence with him.
1: Oh, but, that took you forever.
0: But the thing is that you're invincible, so you're never going to die. He's invincible, he's never going to die. And it's all based on like the uh, Sekiro stance, so you have to break their stance in order to beat them, which is... Done with a variety of counters and hits and constantly pushing pressure on each other. The thing is, is that usually in all the other boss fights and all the fight characters you fight, that stance meter builds up and it stays up to where it's at unless you leave them alone for a very, very long time. It usually just stays up where it's at and then eventually you break their stance and then you can do a finishing move on them. Mm-hmm. With that final fight where you're both invincible, uh yang's uh stature constantly decreases so like if you let up at all he constantly goes back to zero so you constantly have to keep the pressure on you constantly have to use a variety of dodging and then counter blocking um but as soon as he breaks your stance and like uh
1: gets distance away from you distance
0: away from you uh he'll, he'll go back to zero almost immediately so it took like hours to beat that guy um so it was a pain that's one thing I think was pain. Like you, the game locks you in a never ending battle that could take you forever to beat until you finally kind of calm down take your time and understand that you have to use multiple different strategies in order to beat him. Mm -hmm. The arena part that they just had was really cool because that is literally taking kind of taking sequences from famous movies and stuff and putting that into you into that fight. So Honestly, the best ones I've seen so far have been in the very first set of arenas, which has the Grandmaster where you're dressed like uh, uh, Bruce Lee Sifu, um, mm-hmm. with the, even with the uh, white uh, fedora in a rainstorm fighting a bunch of people. It has the Neo <laughs> fight where you're fighting a bunch of agents in the rain in this alleyway. So it recreates a lot of those sequences. A lot of the
1: classic fight sequences. And
0: it has an ability for you to record those fights and then use a replay editor to edit the up if you wanted to. Oh, neat. I haven't played with that yet, but it has that feature there, which is kind of cool. So it gives you a really cool cinematic um, view, so you can kind of choreograph your own little fight in those own sequences, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, So definitely worth a check out if you haven't played sifu yet i think it's a fun like game it's definitely a, a new twist on the roguelike kind of like how um i can't remember the other, the other first person shooter one that was a roguelike where you uh death loop mm. death loop is another like roguelike game that it has a twist on the roguelike uh uh model so definitely interesting if you like kung fu you like action movies and stuff like that you'll probably like sifu like i said. It can be very difficult or it could be very easy. I ended up beating it like on the easiest uh, difficulty. Um, it'll probably be much harder later on because um, you actually have to dr- use your dodge correctly. Like directional from like dodge high attacks, dodge low attacks, not just a dodge that dodges everything. Um, so definitely worth checking out. It's on Xbox. It's on PlayStation. Both of them had just gotten the arena update. The arena stuff is going to be a lot more fun, uh, I think, as after you play through the story. The story is just basic; it's not really deep or anything. The characters' information behind the main people you're going after is more interesting, but you have to dig for that info. Right. Um, but the gameplay is is really fun, so mm-hmm. check that out. Um,
1: is it on Game Pass or no? I, uh, it's
0: not on Game Pass, okay. unfortunately. Um, so you'd have to buy it. Uh, but what is coming to Game Pass, which we'll talk about uh in the coming weeks, will be Tokyo. Was it that?
1: Oh oh um I know what you're talking about with the um uh,
0: again came out on PlayStation. PlayStation
1: first and uh you die and then you go after like Yokai. Um crap, what is it called? Uh it's it's not Tokyo Detective, it's I
0: can't remember.
1: Oh my gosh, hold on, we're looking it up. PlayStation, uh
0: PlayStation uh, Tokyo <laughs>
1: Tokyo game. Tokyo
0: game. Ghostwire Tokyo. Thank God. Ghostwire uh, Tokyo is the name of the game. Um, Uh I'm interested in playing that. Uh, It got kind of middling reviews because it turned out to be like a -a collect-a-thon type of thing. Um, But I think there's probably a bigger appreciation for it if you know about Japanese yokai and Mm. that. Because there's a lot of those Japanese folklore tales are behind a lot of the creatures that you fight in that game, which would be interesting. So I'm interested to see how many yokai they throw in there, um, what backstories they give that type of stuff, or they give any. Yeah. Uh, but that's coming in the couple weeks. I think that's like in the middle of April. And then there's also going to be Jedi oh, I know, Survivor. So you get and to pet dogs
1: up. and Ghostwire. You get to pet all the Akitas.
0: <clears throat> yes. Or Shiba
1: I can't remember if it, if they use Akitas or Shivas.
0: I think it would be Shivas because Akitas are like uh, huge. huge.
1: That's true. But you get to pet all the poppers. Yep
0: so uh (laughs) that's our podcast for this week uh so definitely check out uh mandalorian if you haven't caught those episodes yet check out uh the dungeons dragons uh honor amongst thieves and uh check out sifu those are all great things to uh uh, take up your time uh, when you want to relax and just chill so we will see you next week thank you for listening and uh catch us next time Bye.
1: bye bye